On March 19th, Scott and I spoke at EdCup. EdCup is a regional conference put on by Canadian University Press, also known as CUP, and the U of A student newspaper, The Gateway, where Scott and I both used to work and basically got our start as burgeoning journalists. We were asked to discuss the ins and outs of podcasting, everything from how to come up with a show idea to where you should host your show's files. We had a great time presenting, answering questions, and generally being silly in front of a bunch of bright young student journalists. So we decided that as a special piece of unknown studio content, we would post the session that we gave with a few edits right here for our listeners to enjoy. And we hope you'll do exactly that. podcast to make your own podcast. It helps. It really helps, but you don't have to. So before we start, we're going to introduce ourselves even more than we were already introduced. We're going to do it with fire, because it's funny. Um, <laughs> so, so I got my start in journalism as a former Gateway volunteer, uh, A&E editor, opinion editor, and editor-in-chief. I wasted five precious years of my life at the gateway, and by wasted, I mean just the physical harm that it actually caused me. Um, <clears throat> after that, I moved into the freelancing world, which is, we can, and we can talk about this later tonight, this is where I think the future of journalism is, and marketing in general as well. Uh, so I freelanced for about four years, and uh, wasn't good enough at it to actually make a go of it being a full-time job. So I, I sold out. I worked for an advertising agency. I work for the biggest independent advertising agency in Alberta. It's called Calder Bateman Communications. And my job right now is to tell clients um, how to use the internet to promote themselves, specifically in the social media world. And on top of that, about two years ago, Scott and I started this podcast. And that's why we're here today. I am also introducing the player. Uh, I also was a gateway, uh, not for as many years as Rosenhart. Uh, I was never an editor. I applied twice and was mistakenly not hired both times. <laughs> uh, but I was an avid writer for many years. I did deliver the newspapers for a while. And uh, that's kind of 
how I breezed through. Uh, I am a working actor in the loosest sense of the term, and that I have been paid to do it, and that makes me a professional. Uh, I'm also a broadcast radio journalist, so this is the face of working journalism. Uh, yeah, that's what we decided. Story to shatter your illusions. We decided he would represent journalism and I would represent marketing. I even brought a, a suit jacket. So. so he gets to look bigger than I do. Yeah. Uh, I work for 630 Chev 9 News 880. I talk onto the radio and people hear my voice and I deliver them news. And that's wonderful and stressful. And I also work at a podcast. Uh, coincidentally, the very same one that Adam does. Which is why we're here today. Indeed. Really. So there we go. So, so these are the things that we want to talk to you about today. We want to talk to you about coming up with an idea for your show, because it's not as simple as you might think. We'll talk about some of the technology you need to use and understand to do it. And then we're going to talk about what you do once you have all your shit together, really. Um, so, the idea. <clears throat> Seinfeldian formats, we call this. Yeah, it's um, the idea, basically, of doing a podcast about nothing. Go on, you talk about whatever happens to come to mind that day, and you hope that people tune in and listen. Now, the takeaway message for this is, unless you're a brilliant comedian, you can't pull this off. There's no way you can sustain an audience for even half an hour if you're not going to plan your show. And this is something that I think we started this way a little bit. Sort of. We made a decision with our show to make it an interview, an hour-long interview. That's ridiculous. No one is even that interesting. That's why journalists like to cut things into little bits and make them more digestible. Um, so we made that mistake early on, and then we changed up our format. But we'll explain how we've done that a little bit later on. So don't do a show about nothing. Think about, think about a topic, and think about who your audience is. I would suggest that you shouldn't do um, a show about uh, the example that I have used before is video games. As much as you love video games, there are a million other video game podcasts out there talking about exactly the same thing you are. And unless you can do something that sets you above, you're not going to stand out in the crowd. So, I mean, that's not to say you can't do your awesome video game podcast. I'm not trying to shatter any illusions. Yeah, you totally can. But you need to do, you need to find your niche. You need to do something that sets you apart so that you stand out. In fact, there's a local podcast in Edmonton called User Created Content. They're a video game podcast, um, which I at first thought was really weird, but because like, who cares what a bunch of backwater Canadians think about video games, right? But Bioware's offices are here, and those the guys who do that show have made outstanding relationships with the, with people at Bioware, and that's led them to other interview content outside of just uh, electronic arts. So they've really made a go of it. But I wouldn't suggest that if you were living in Grand Prairie that you would start a podcast about video games because all you're going to be doing is giving your opinion. And who gives a shit who you are? Like, you know, that's not really a great way to start things out. So think about your goals about, you know, think about your show format. Think about what your goals are. Do you want, do you want a thousand downloads per episode? That's pretty ambitious. Um, if you're just starting out and you don't have a whole bunch of dough to throw into a show like this. What is our niche? <laughs> well, we know the rules, so we're allowed to break them, right? <laughs> uh, we started our show, The Unknown Studio, um, in... So, actually, we did all the things you're not supposed to do. We started with the Seinfeldian format, 
Um, we didn't really think about who our audience was, and that could have burned us, but it didn't, because we wound up finding, making connections with people online who were like, oh, your show's about Edmonton, that's great. And we were like, yes, that is exactly that's what right. our show is about. Of course about. it's about Edmonton, why wouldn't it be? Oh, God. And, uh, <laughs> and so we've decided that our show is more about telling the stories that mainstream media doesn't have the resources to really delve into. So in a lot of ways, we're kind of like the current or Q. Uh, we're not as good as Jean Gameshi, but, but we try to do a format that's similar. We, we interview a bunch of people about what they're doing and how that relates back to how awesome this city is. Is that fair? Yeah. Is Edmonton is awesome? I, I feel I like it is. I would say it is. Really? Yeah. So we mentioned format and style, and we... We started out with literally a, an hour, two hour and 20 minute long interview, largely uncut. Eventually, we threw in some commercial space just to give people a breather. But even worse than that is that we decided <laughs> that we would open every show and pretend we were uh, recording from a different location. So our, our idea for that was in our first episode, we were recording from a derelict offshore oil rig. And we had a soundscape throughout the entire show where you could just hear sound effects of what you might hear on an oil rig. And it was so annoying. And it, it was, if you listen to it, like, Driving down the highway, you'd start to nod off because it was like a repetitive drone. And we, like, our, the five listeners who listened to our first two shows were like, you have to stop doing this. And we did. And we did. In fact, it was Mike Kendrick, who, uh, former editor-in-chief of the game, he's like, I love you guys, your show's okay, but your show actually sucks because of this thing. And we were just like, yeah, fair enough. That is reasonable criticism. <clears throat> so we did the hour-long interview style with the stupid soundscape for two episodes, and then we did the hour-long interview style for the rest of our 26 episodes. And uh, it's hard to interview someone and be interesting for an hour, an hour and a half. It's really challenging, even if you're as exciting and handsome as Scott and I. Um, it's really difficult. And it's not really fair to a guest to expect them to be on for that long. I don't think so anymore. No. We've been very fortunate. Most of our guests are very interesting. And talking. But we've changed our format. Yes. We, we still do the long-form interview, but... We intersperse it with smaller segments now to break up the main interview a little bit, to uh, supplement it with different content, and uh, to have more fun. Yeah, and, and we've, as a result, we've had to like purchase royalty-free, or royalty-free music, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and to make, to add stingers to it, and we'll talk about that when we get to the tech side of it, but it's been Actually, hilarious. it's not even royalty-free, we just bought We just the bought it, we bought the right stuff. Which is expensive, and we'll explain how you can do that in a moment. Uh, well, I've already forgotten. <laughs> I he wanted to use the metaphor of a tetherball, and three times now he's come to me and said, I want to talk about this tetherball, but I don't remember what it's about. I happen to remember what it's about. Yes. We have an interview style where we will have a conversation with our guests. Uh, we'll ask them questions, but then they'll t bring up how shitty the Transformers movie was, and we'll spend the next ten minutes talking about how shitty the Transformers movie was. And it was shitty. Uh, but, <laughs> as far out as it goes, we'll snap the conversation back. So we'll go off on our tangent, we'll bring it back to where we started with another question and try to keep things along, I suppose you could say, a, a linear train of thought yeah. with multiple little branches. Our show is like a river, but there are estuaries and streams that leave it and come back. <laughs> <laughs> Which might have been, in fact, a better metaphor than a tether. I would have remembered that. I would have totally remembered that. Uh, the other thing is that thanks, in, and I, I will say this with no exaggeration personally, 
thanks in large part to my experiences in the student press, particularly the Gateway, I've learned to become a, a pretty good interviewer. Like, and that, knowing how to ask questions um, and knowing how to bring the conversation back when someone's gone off stream is hugely critical if you're gonna do a sort of news magazine style podcast. Um, and, and Scott is very adept at it as well because he works, well, has worked at the Gateway and works in news media. So um, if, if there are any sessions at this conference or any national conferences or other regional conferences you go to that are about how to do a good interview, you must, 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 must attend because it's so critical to being interesting. And uh, very useful in a podcast where you're largely going to be talking to be able to interview people. Because otherwise it's just you talking. Yeah. For now. Which we have also done when guests have followed through. Those are our least listened to episodes. <laughs> I and rightly so. I think they, yeah, and rightly so. Um, uh, wanting to do a podcast is all well and good. And, and Scott and I actually made a decision. And I don't know if it was a conscious one. I, I certainly hadn't thought about it. I didn't want to be the guy with a USB snowball microphone sitting in his bedroom talking into his laptop. We decided there had to be a certain level of quality, and we have spent money on it. We didn't spend money on it at first because... I am lucky enough to work at a radio station. And so they we were kind just enough. making use of the equipment of yeah. ours to record a professional podcast. So we have a podcast that uses million-dollar equipment, Literally. which is rare. Yes. It's obviously very rare. Um, however, we, because it is a working studio, we can't always get the times that we want to record, which makes coordinating, coordinating guests really difficult, so we've bought some equipment. I'm using an MP3 recorder right now to record this show, at this show. It is, it's kind of like show, isn't it? We all look really engaged. Um, like our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Just listening and waiting. Um, so, so we, that, that device, I made a conscious decision to buy one that was not expensive. That was excellent. That after reading reviews and talking to other podcasters and journalists, that I knew was going to be outstanding. And if you want to know, it's a Zoom 4N, H4N handy recorder. And it records in MP3 and WAVE. We use WAVE because you get, um, uh, because MP, MP3s are compressed. You don't want compressed audio until you publish it. So you want to work with as many bits and bytes as you possibly can to make sure your sound quality is right up there. We've bought um, microphones, microphones, uh, fancy ones that look really cool, but actually weren't that expensive. Welcome to the party. Hey, it's you. That's right on. John Kamech just walked in, for those of you who are listening to us. Sorry, I don't know. He really doesn't deserve it. <laughs> it's good to see you, John. Um, so yeah, we spent some money on some microphones. We recently bought a, an eight-channel mixer, so we can plug, I think, five or six XLR, you know, uh, normal microphones. Um, and this purchase was made as recently as like two days ago. Yeah. So we're still actually, <coughs> you know, cables that look, microphone studio. cables that look like this, that have the little three pins in them. So these are like super high quality audio things. And I bought this Shure microphone yesterday so that we could do. He really just wants to show this all off to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love tech. It's awesome. This is just so that we can go out on the street and be like, what do you think of, of cheese? I enjoy cheese. <laughs> Perfect. It works. All you need is a microphone. And we're actually gonna make a we're actually gonna make a microphone flash for it that says the unknown studio so that when we go to actual like events that the mainstream press are at on TV, you'll see the unknown studio. <laughs> which I think is hilarious. So so not only is it gonna cost you something if you want to do it at a certain level of quality, but it's gonna take a lot of time. 
I uh, do most of the post-production on the show, because Adam doesn't know how. Uh, I've gotten better at it. Yeah, he has. He's been applying himself. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, and it takes me, in addition to recording, which is a, an hour, and Maybe additional... Two sometimes. Sometimes two, yeah. Uh, and any additional segments that we record on our own time, usually between 5 and 15 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, I put in about two to three hours of post yeah, I'd say per segment, if I've recorded 20 minutes of interview, it takes me about an hour and a half to get it down to something. And I add stingers and stuff, and stingers are just those bits of audio, usually it's music, um, that you hear in between when the DJ stops talking and when something else happens. So like when they do traffic, you, you'll hear a stinger for that. Um, so we've, we've bought a few of those and stolen yep. a few of them. I mean, borrowed a few of them. We can edit this. That's the great thing about recording audio. It's true. Um, we, uh, wait, there was another point that just derailed my own train of thought. Uh, segments, time, money. I don't know. Yeah, I've lost. Okay. So, so what would you say, if it takes, we do three segments a show, one long form interview, um, it probably, and how long did you say it takes you to edit a whole show? Two to three hours. Two to three hours, so probably all in <coughs> 10 to 12 hours. Yeah every two weeks to put a show together. And that's not even including the blog. Yeah, and we write on our website, even though we don't. We really um, should write, we really should write on our website. But the, and, and the strategy behind having a website, which we'll talk about when we talk about technology, isn't just a place to host the show. It's also a place to build a bigger audience, because not everyone's going to listen to your podcast. But they are going to read about stuff relating to your, your topic area. So we made, a, we made a decision to host a blog that we never update because we're idiots. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, does anyone have any questions about coming up with an idea and the things you need to think about uh, if you want to do a show? That's a little too quick for this question. But you said you use commercial time to break up your podcast. Have you sold that airtime to clients? Yes, and yes. we will talk about that. Uh, we've managed to fool a couple people into giving us money for things. So, and I don't mean that because. You'll see later on. So the tech, uh, which we kind of already talked about a little bit, but because you wanted to talk about. But I want to get into uh, like really technical stuff. Does everyone know how podcasts work? So you create a, a post uh, as part of an RSS feed that's got an audio file attached to it, and so uh, that's actually how the iTunes Music Stores pulls your feed. You need an RSS feed to publish a podcast. Otherwise, you can't be on the iTunes Music Store, or any other podcatcher that's out there. That's what they're called. And I always just imagine this big net with all these like logos flying into it. But uh, so you need to have a website or a host that'll handle all this for you. And there's two kinds of hosting that you can really um, use for podcasting. There's what I call turnkey hosts. So if you go to, you, we have links that I'll show you later on, but there's a place called Liberated Syndication, Podbean, and uh, Blueberry Power Press. Those are places you can go to just like really quickly create a podcast. It's, it's all forms and stuff, and you don't have to build a website around it or anything like that. So if, you're, if you just want to do audio, and you're not going to build a brand, like a website and other, and host events and those kinds of things, that's the easiest thing to do. But if you're stubborn like we are, you'll want to create a whole website around your show. And um, is everyone here familiar with WordPress? 
Yeah, I'll everyone is. Um, WordPress is phenomenal. Uh, as, a, as a website content manager, as a blog tool, and as a podcast, um, as a podcasting tool. There's a plugin that you, there are a series of plugins. I recommend Blueberry PowerPress. They've got a free plugin you can use, and they even track your stats for you, so they'll tell you how many unique downloads you get per show, how many repeat downloads you get, uh, how many total downloads over a month uh, that you'll get. So it's really, it makes it so much easier for you. All you have to do is upload a file to a directory, tell your plugin where it is, and it's like, okay, now we've got a show. And that's all there is to it. Um, and yeah, I mentioned podcast catchers on iTunes. The point here is that if you want anyone to listen to it, you have to be on the iTunes Music Store. It's the de facto standard for podcasting. Some of the more, I don't know, autistic podcast listeners who are very specific in the kind of tools they want to use will use things that aren't the iTunes Music Store, but no one of note is not using the iTunes Music Store. So that's where you want to be. And you're highly searchable that way. And it does things for search engine optimization as well. All this is, is when you publish a show, not only do you have a description for it, but you want to throw some tags in there that'll describe what the show's about so that when people are searching for, I don't know, uh, Stephen Mandel, the mayor of Edmonton, they type that into Google, there's a pretty good chance our show will come up. And we've actually optimized our website so that when people look up talk show Edmonton, we're at the top of the search engine results page for that. Same with Edmonton podcast, because I want, I want an audience. I don't. <laughs> That's what he's implying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, what do you do once you have your show out there? How are you going to promote it? How are you going to let people know to listen to it? Uh, fortunately, there are a series of tools out there that fall under the umbrella of social media. And we've leveraged Twitter and Facebook uh, to really try and get people interested in the Unknown Studio. Um, but again, I don't think we're very good with Twitter. No, we could be better. We could be better. We don't actively manage our account that often. We usually just push content to it, and that's so bad. You shouldn't do that with Twitter. Because it's really about building relationships with your audience. The people that love our show are the people who talk to us about our show all the time, on Facebook, on Twitter, or when we see them out at events. Um, and we go to a lot of events yeah. and kind of network and talk about our show and yeah, talk to people about stuff. And, and going to events like that is a great way to get content as well. Yes. So the fact that the mayor's office now knows who we are and we're on their, their PR distribution list and stuff like that is kind of cool. Um, and it's been really helpful for us. But uh, building relationships not only helps you to build an audience, it'll help you to get advertisers. And that is something we've been marginally successful at. Um, so what have we done? Where are our advertisers? Uh, well, our advertisers started with the Edmonton Journal. Yep. Uh, they gave us nothing, by the way, except free publicity. They talk about us. Which we're okay with, yeah. and we will talk about them in return, and they are an awesome newspaper that you should read. <laughs> uh, we also get advertising from Guru Digital Arts College. Yeah, so they're a local, uh, um, basically, a, a design school for mostly web-focused stuff. Yes. They actually have a video game design course, we're totally plugging our sponsors, right? We are. And they've got an illustration courses, so they've really, they've helped to promote the shit out of us, and they've invited us to events, and they've given us money, and they're going to redesign our website for us, because our website is... They really like us. They really like us, yeah. And we're okay with that. Yeah, they've even given us, like, so they pay us every month to mention them on the show, to have advertisements on our blog, 
and um, and they've given us prizes yep. for contests. And the journal's done the same thing. Yep. And who is our third sponsor, Scott? That would be the traveling tickle trunk. Does anyone like sex? <laughs> okay, the traveling really only like five of them. <laughs> and all dudes too, just like yeah, I fucking love sex. <laughs> yeah, okay, dude, I know you love sex, <laughs> but. Um, the Traveling Tickle Trunk is a, is a, it's one location on White Avenue here in Edmonton, and they sell, they call themselves a sex-positive adult toy store. And the owner there, Brenda, is so cool. She's actually expanding her own media empire. She writes for View Weekly, one of the, one of the weeklies here. And, um, and she's just been hugely supportive. One of the things that she said to me when we re-signed our contract with her, and yes, we are professional enough to have contracts because I'm just, I'm autistic. I guess I'm just that obsessed. But she said the great thing about working with you guys is that you're not just you're not just billing me. Like I, she get she feels like she gets something out of it. So whether it's you know going to events, collecting content, or getting advertisers, it's all about building those relationships with people. <clears throat> Adding this is such a this is marketing. Adam speaking, but giving everyone's getting value out of it. They feel like what we charge them is fair, and they're happy to pay us every month because we help them. And they give us content. So. Yeah, actually, they do a the traveling tickle trunk does a monthly segment with us called Sex Talk, and the last segment, Lauren, the girl who, who does the recordings, uh, talked about steak and a blowjob day on March fourteenth. Did everyone celebrate steak and a blowjob day? Oh, I wish I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there's always next year. Um, so, and actually, we used to go in and record their segments for them, like we bring in our equipment, but and this speaks to. This doesn't speak to the fidelity we think is important in, in terms of quality for our podcast. She records it on her iPhone, on her voice memo thing, and it, it actually works pretty good. The next time that she sends us one, I'll have to edit it a little bit because it's a little picky. But other than that, I mean, it's free content, sort of free content for us. It saves us a hell of a lot of time. That's one segment down every other show. So the way that we've set it up is to really... We earn revenue for advertising, and we don't really call them, we don't call them our advertisers, we call them our sponsors. Yes. And we really feel like they're, they help us to build our show. Not just by providing money. Yeah. Uh, so, what's a good price point? What, what's a good thing to charge uh, an advertiser? Mainstream media on their websites will probably charge you about a $10 CPM. So every thousand impressions an ad gets, the journal gets $10. And if the journal gets something like 5 million page views a month, they make a lot of money off advertising that way. But that's not really viable for us. Our show is the product, not the website. The, the, having advertisements on our website is a value add. So it didn't make sense for us to charge them a $1,000, or sorry, a $10 CPM, because then we'd make $20 a month off each advertiser. Which would be enough for us to each buy a beer. <laughs> the most expensive beer ever made. <laughs> So we decided, and I kind of pulled the, pulled the number out of the air. I was like, okay, 200 bucks a month. That seems good. If we can earn 200 bucks a month per advertiser, that'll allow us to buy the equipment we need to do the recordings in Scott's soundproof rape basement, which is where <laughs> which is, Sorry, I know, we're not supposed to call it that. His gaming dungeon. <laughs> um, and it sort of... It, it came soundproof. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. I mean, it's so perfect for us. But uh, it, it means we don't have to go to 6.30 Chet every other, every two weeks anymore. And, and, uh, and we're not, we don't have to adhere to their schedule. Um, so we got Guru, 
and the traveling tickle trunk to each pay us 200 bucks a month. They think that's fair. The next time I go to an advertiser to get more money, the price will go up. I think the next, the fourth advertiser we land, and the journal was kind of our, it's funny, the journal was free, they, we don't charge them anything. We just get to say that they support us. Uh, then the next two advertisers, 200 bucks, I think probably our next advertiser, 300. Sure. And I'm just like, you could basically say 1,000. And, but you'd have to be prepared to justify what they're getting for it. Our advertisers get exposure to about 2,000 downloads a month. Not per episode, but in aggregate. So people go back and listen to shows all the time. Our engaged audience, the, the people that download every single time, is in the six to 700 people. That's pretty good. They listen to us because they know us, they like us, and they trust us. And if we're telling them that Guru's a great school and that if they want to get off, they should go to the Traveling Tickle Trunk, they're probably going to go check out our sponsors. And that, again, speaks to building relationships. Great podcast memories. So we're coming to the end of our time with you. Adam has been doing most of the talking, yeah. by the way, because he put together the PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and didn't really brief me. Yeah. How long is that this, is, this is how we roll, though, isn't it? More or less. I mean, we will come into a show and not really know how we're going to introduce the guest. Sometimes we don't know who the guest is until the day before. That's true. So we're, we're behaving the way we're supposed to behave. Or at least the way that we're comfortable doing. And before we get into this, um, I should tell you that uh, it would be impossible for me to do the show by myself. And it would be impossible for you to do the show. And the reason is because Scott and I both do different things for the show. I do what we call the pre-production aspect, and I, I guess I handle the business side as well. So I, I consider that part of the business. But, and, and, but we both do pre-production sometimes. Like It's about dividing and conquering. So what that means is that I, or Scott, but typically me, will be like, how about this person for a guest this week? And Scott will be like, eh. We don't want to, let's save them for another time, or I've got someone better. And then we schedule them. He does all the recording of those long form interviews and cuts the whole show together. And then I handle the business side of things. So I drop the contracts. I get people to give us money. I bill people. Um, we, we actually founded a company for this so that, so that we could charge people. Because I wasn't going to go and ask an advertiser to write a $200 check to Adam Rosenhart. Uh, and, the, and not only because that would be criminal, um, but because I would have to declare that money as income, and then I get taxed for it. Um, very quickly, if you found a company, it's about $500. You can claim that on your business's taxes, so you don't pay tax. The way the businesses work is you got your revenue, and you've got your, uh, what's the thing that you pay for? The shit you pay for. <laughs> and where most, most human beings, most individuals get, get taxed for their net, or sorry, their, their gross revenue, your gross pay or whatever, we get taxed on our net profit. So if we make no money this year, and because of what we spent our money on, we will not make a profit this year, we won't get taxed. And I don't have to declare it on my personal income taxes. So there are all kinds of weird little cost savings for it. Plus, when you ask an advertiser to write a check to Unknown Studio Productions Limited, they're like, oh, yeah, legit. <laughs> so, so that's been terribly uh, so, as I said, we're coming to the close, and we'll, we have lots of time for questions, actually, but just a few really great podcasting resources. I mentioned these earlier. Libsyn, Podbean, and Blueberry are really outstanding uh, turnkey solutions if you want to start your own podcast. Blueberry has a plugin for WordPress that I find to be incredibly useful. Um, and, uh, and there are other plugins for WordPress as well. But if you're thinking of starting your own podcast, once you got your idea down and you're ready to publish it, these are the places to go to get it done. 
Uh, and I just thought it'd be kind of cool to throw shows you should listen to out there. Ours is the first show I ever saw. No, but but there's a there's a big finale with okay. with fire. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, that so um, I, I came up with these. Uh, do you do you listen to other podcasts? Yes. Like, can you? What, what are some what, of your? Okay. Okay. So here's what I think you should listen to. That's why I said that. Does anyone does anyone here listen to the Moth? Yeah, the Moth is awesome. The Moth is um, a series of of um, how do they describe it? It's people going up on a stage somewhere in the U.S. speaking, telling a story without notes, and it's usually about fifteen or twenty minutes, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. And uh, the stories that get published on the Moth are awesome. They're amazing. Some of them, some of the people who speak at the Moth are famous, and some of them are just people who have interesting stories. Um, anyone who lives in Edmonton, there's an event every third Wednesday at a place called the Haven Social Club. It's called Story Slam. It's kind of like the Moth. It's really cool. I'm also a huge fan of Ira Glass from This American Life. It's probably one of the best talk show podcasts on the web. It's probably one of the best talk shows on radio, actually. It's an NPR show, Na uh, National Public Radio in the United States. And uh, they're, you know, not deliberately, but I suppose because I love them, uh, they're kind of a show that we, in some ways, emulate. They segment things, they have parts to their show, and they're really about telling the stories that are not covered by mainstream media. Uh, has anyone listened to Judge John Hodgman? Yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. I listened to my first episode last week. And uh, as far as I could tell, it's like two people who are pissed off at each other for some reason. They ask John Hodgman to rule on something that's going on that, that they want to have sorted out. The most recent episode I listened to had a, um, a father and his daughter. They were at odds with each other because Dad kept wanting to show his daughter all these classic films, like Casablanca, The Magnificent Seven, those kinds of things. And she was like, I'm 16 and I don't fucking care. So John Hodgman <laughs> had to rule either way on, uh, on who was right. And finally, uh, because I work in advertising, I listen to Terry O'Reilly's The Age of Persuasion. It's a CBC podcast. It's incredibly well done. Uh, and the reason they're allowed to podcast it now is because they've obtained the rights to the ads that they replay. And uh, I mean, he's done shows on how Kodak got started, how the whole credit card industry came to be. It's a really, really excellent show. What are some of the shows that you listen to? Uh, I enjoy the Pod F Tomcast. It's a comedy podcast by Paul F. Tompkins. Pod? The Pod F Tomcast. Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, he is, I, he's a comedian that I followed for a while, but he uh, is well connected in uh, I want to say the, the comedy community. Sure. Um, so he generally has a lot of rotating guests that he'll basically have on the show, and they'll just they'll do little segments. They'll he'll there's stand up. It's it's funny. Sure. It's a part of being consistent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, stuff you should know is a good one because it's informative and entertaining. It is infotainment, <laughs> like our show. Like our show. Uh, and basically, they'll just take a topic like ninjas. They have done a show on ninjas, where they'll be like, we're going to talk about ninjas, here's the facts about ninjas, the history of ninjas, the stuff you should know about ninjas, here's some ridiculous myths about ninjas. And they'll just basically talk for like a half hour on whatever topic, and it's informative and, and interesting. Um, that's all I can really think of off the top of my head, but uh, those are the ones I listen to the most. Listen to podcasts if you want to do podcasts you will get ideas for stuff. Yeah. And you will be like, that's a great idea. I'm totally stealing that. 
not to say you should literally rip off content, but <laughs> like the ideas for the pacing of the show, for the style of the show, um, for I don't know the kind of segments that you can yeah. do. You can glean stuff, uh, and you can also get an idea of what other people are doing, especially other people that are successful are doing with their shows, because that's a good jumping off point. I mean, the best way to uh, emulate greatness until exactly. you can figure out how to be great yourself, I guess. One last thing, one, one show that I don't listen to anymore but got me into the whole podcasting thing, they are a Seinfeldian format, is a show called Keith and the Girl. And it's uh, Keith Malley and his girlfriend, uh, her name is Hemda, and she's a, he's a comedian in New York and she's a singer-songwriter. And they just, every single day, they just talk, they just shit talk on the show. And they managed to get advertising from HBO and a whole bunch of big brands. This is what they do. For they time. are they're the people who got advertising for a show that they hate. Yeah. That big love. Yeah. They get paid to mention big love in every episode, and they do so by basically shit talking big love. Yeah. Every and, and they they, get paid to do it. they set the terms for how they deal with advertisers. Like, look, you can advertise with us, and we'll talk about your product or your show or your service. But if we don't like it, we're going to say that. And HBO was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, so they've been very successful. I mean, it's their full time jobs now. I mean, yeah, it, it is their full-time job, but he still, he wrote a book, he, he does stand-up, and his girlfriend um, travels around the world with, like, she performs with, oh, shit, I can't remember, some really big bands. She's often a backup singer, or she'll be, like, a soloist. So, they've been very successful. Just a few podcasts we think you should listen to, but Scott and I are also resources. And you can find us on Twitter, you can email either of us, and we both have websites. And, of course, there's our show that we've been talking around this whole time. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, you can follow us on Twitter, and you can like our page on Facebook. And you can talk to us, and we will often talk back to you. Almost always, actually. We're, we're pretty chatty people. Yeah, we are. Obviously, because we've been blah, blah, blahing this whole time. Mostly you've been blah. Yes, well, that's one of my faults, and it has allowed me to be tremendously successful as well. Does anyone have any questions about all the shit we just talked about? Were we, were we complete? Obviously, we didn't leave any holes. Did you find this interesting? Yes, sir. Was, would there be anything that you would change? I really want, I really want to know if we can improve this. Yeah. I'd actually like to hear a clip from the podcast of yours. Oh. Right? Oh, yeah, I can't do that right now. Of course, yes, next time. We'll do that. That's a great idea. Literally, you can't do that right now? I could, but, but my laptop's not plugged into the thingy, so it'll sound like an Apple laptop. Um, how difficult is it to get guests on your show? Surprisingly easy. Shockingly easy. Generally speaking, if you ask a person, would you like to be interviewed for my show, they will say, sure, what's your show about? Um, that's basically been our... I mean, most of our guests have been kind of locals. And yeah. locals are a little more inclined to be like, yeah, whatever. But okay. you recently did a segment with someone we haven't published yet. That's true. With um, someone who's not local. That's true. So why don't you tell and them? We've, and we've done so in the past. Yeah. Uh, Canada's Worst Driver. Anybody familiar with that show? Okay. They're coming to town in April to audition people to be on the show. I caught wind of that through my work because I get press releases. And uh, so I was like, my work's not at all interested in talking to these people, but I personally am about the show, and I'd be willing to talk to them on the podcast. So I got a hold of their PR person and said, I have a podcast. It's a talk show. We'd like to talk to someone associated with the show. And she was like, done. When? Okay, sure. So I spoke to the executive producer just Friday, actually, for our upcoming episode. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you wouldn't expect that a person who puts together a, a television show that is very highly rated in Canada to be like, your little dingy thousand person download podcast wants to talk to me. <laughs> no, he was really keen to talk to us because more people are aware that they can reach people through the internet now. Mm -hmm. And this is one way you can do that that doesn't involve tweeting and Facebook. And so more and more people are inclined to be on podcasts than be on internet content because they, they realize that that's where the future is going. But, but even more than that, I think it's, you know, most people, they're just flattered that you, that you thought they'd make an interesting interview. And, and it, as with all things in the world of journalism, just ask. Like, I've, we've interviewed we, some we crazy have people over our careers. We have turned down before, too. By whom? I know it's happened, but I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, um, and, and like for future shows, like I'm going to Calgary Expo this year, and because I know the PR people there, I was like, I need media accreditation. And they were like, yeah, sure. So I'm, get to, I'm going to probably interview William Shatner and uh, Commander Riker from Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> Star Trek uh, is actually a huge part of our show because we're nerds and we're kind of, I'm more obsessed with it than you are. But anyway, so yeah, just ask people. Yeah, behind Megan, right? I, I know you from Twitter. On the same, on the same note, how often do you have to um, give people your stats? Uh, like, if they want to do an interview, they ask, okay, it was worth our time, how many listeners, et cetera? Uh, you know, our advertisers have never asked us. Our advertisers, yeah. Okay. Um, guests don't generally ask. <laughs> Are there any other questions? You had a question? Yeah, how, when you guys first started out, how did you get? I don't think people take us seriously. Yeah, you're assuming they take us seriously. We, because of the format of the show that we picked, and because we're because of the training we've had, and because we're pretty good interviewers, and because of the quality of the show, we've conducted ourselves in a way that people at first they might not have known who we were, but our first like three guests were friends. We had a, another journalist that works with Scott on the show. We had a, a former Gateway business manager, now city councilor, on the show. So we, tr we went into our personal networks to try and build something. And, and we, we picked the most interesting people that we knew. Yeah. But more than the, uh, the one compliment that I remember from our first episode, actually, and this was when we thought our show, Sorry. this is looking back, we look at back at our first couple episodes, we're like, don't even listen. To like when you wrote your first article for your, for your yeah. student publication, you were just like, mm. But despite that, uh, <laughs> CTV meteorologist Josh Gloss on the Twitterer uh, mentioned that our first episode sounded good enough that he could have imagined hearing it on the CTV, yeah. which we considered to be a tremendous compliment to the quality of the show that we put together. Yeah. And again, our show has, in our opinion, come a long way since then. So. Definitely. But I mean, the short answer to your question, act like a professional. If and that's the show format you're going to do, act like a pro. What was your most listened to show? We had one show that. Oh, it was um, it was an interview we did with Ken Ken Bautista. Ken Bautista is a local entrepreneur who founded a kids an online kids game called Seek Your Own Proof, and then he scored a deal with Discovery Channel, and he's really you know gone out into the world. And he's quite the jet setter. Yeah, that literally he gets on planes and flies around the world. On a weekly basis. Yeah, no, he's he's an impressive guy, and he he doesn't sleep. 
Um, and, and he's doing everything related to software and technology in Edmonton. And his show was downloaded over 1,200 times. Um, and some and of that's not people, an inflated. No, story. that's an actual. That's, that's for real. The real. Number. That's for real. Um, yeah. So, and I don't know. It was a pretty we, interesting we, interview. I would agree. We and we've had other uh, episodes that have done well, but I I don't think anybody's quite talked him. Does, um, how many people are from Edmonton in this room? Oh, wow, most of. Them. Where are the three of you guys from? Saskatoon. Right on. Even better. Sorry, Saskatoon. <laughs> um, if you're from Edmonton and you're on Twitter, you probably have heard of Master Mac, Mac Mail. He was on our show and he was probably our second most downloaded. Yeah, he, he was, was disappointed that he didn't quite talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> right over there. How much scripting do you do for your podcast? This oh, is how much scripting this is you do it. for our podcast. Yeah. We, is it all off the cuff? Or not, is it like, we usually have a pretty good idea of a few initial questions to get the conversation ball rolling. Yeah. But again, we treat our, our show as an extended conversation with someone interesting. And it's vaguely on a topic, and we'll try to keep it around that topic. But if the conversation goes somewhere, we'll let it go. Yeah. But the show format does require a little bit of scripting, I suppose. We don't actually do the scripting we're supposed to do, because we start the show by me asking Scott a question. And I would say, hey, Scott, and he says, Yes, sir. And then I ask him a stupid question, and he responds, and then the music starts, and then we introduce the show. So, we're, and, and then we have to say we're coming to you almost live from somewhere, some random Because we're always from a different location, even though we no longer have the soundscape. We kept the, we, yeah, we were just, because it's ridiculous. That's why we call this the unknown studio. Because we're always from a different place. Um, but yeah, we do less scripting than we should. But again, if I may toot our horns, <coughs> not to toot our horns. <laughs> uh, we are pretty competent interviewers, and we've had a lot of practice over the years. So get really good at interviewing if you want to not have to write a script. <laughs> you I, don't think, I don't think Larry King really looks at his notes. Probably not. And he's an example of someone who's, and I mean, that's because he's been doing it for like literally 100 years. I just used <laughs> the word literally on purpose there. Uh, I don't think he did. Fair <laughs> enough. But, uh, but that's because he's so good at it, and he's so comfortable with it, that he never even really looks at it. John Stewart's another good example of a fantastic interviewer. You never really see him looking at the notes. You know, he used to suck, though. He did, but he got better. Yeah. And that's a testament to the fact that it is a skill that you can learn and you can get really good at. Yeah. And it's, it's just a matter of practice. Talk to people. Listen to people. And if you're good at interviewing, you're good at doing that thing that nobody likes to do, which is to network and to find guests and find content. Because small talk is super easy to do. And uh, you can... Be surprised at finding guests through other guests. Yeah. Because generally speaking, if you leave your guests with a good impression of your show, they're inclined to come back, most of the foremost, because they've had a few repeat impressions. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes they'll be like, I know this guy who's doing this thing that's really awesome. Would you like to talk to him? And we will be like, yes, we would. And at the end of every show, unless, I think almost every show, a guest has been like, that was a lot of fun. And nobody, certainly nobody's ever said, you guys are shitheads. <laughs> not, not to our faces. <laughs> Only on the internet. Just search for our names, you'll see all kinds of shit talk. In the green shirt. What did you guys do with uh, RQ for Royalty Motel? Like, what did you guys do when you started? Were you, were you <laughs> we were stealing the music yeah, to start. We broke the law when we started. Um, generally speaking, if you're small potatoes, no one's going to give a shit. Um, because they would have to find out that you're doing it and go to the effort of and because we only make like $5,000 a year, it's not worth it to sue our company. 
That said, when we did start the company and when we did change our format to the second season, we purchased We went to uh, an online music source. What's it called said, again? We went with West Star Music. They're yeah. really good. They offered us a really good deal, actually. And uh, we downloaded a bunch of their music, which we had paid for. And some places, they set up their royalties and such. And it's, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, where you have to pay for every episode your music appears in. Yeah. And that is ridiculous and we're talking like 50 to 100 dollars an episode and that's just not um westar it's you pay for it once and it's yours we paid for our theme song for example was about 50 bucks and was it really that that yeah. expensive and it's ours we can use it as much as we want we paid for the royalties we're good we have a little sheet of paper that says we yeah. own that music and i mean not exclusively other people could be <laughs> using that music too but don't steal our fucking theme songs. I've, <laughs> I've also ironically used uh, GarageBand singers and, and theme songs, but they're so fucking awful. I really want to use, they've got this news one, that, that you know, the music you hear when a news show opens and then the anchor would start talking over that. I think we should do a segment that's just a news show, but it's so badly done sure. that it would be so awesome. Uh, Stinger's sound effects also easily yeah. uh, findable. And findable the, there's um, I say words for a living, and that's the best <laughs> I can do. <laughs> the, there's a website whose URL I can't remember right now, but uh, if you email me, I'll get it to you. It's um, it's basically people who record sound effects and then post them for free. Soundsnap. Yeah, is that what I use? Soundsnap. Soundsnap. Okay, there you go. You had a question. Uh, well, when I first started writing for The Gateway, I got a huge bang out of seeing my name in print. I liked to be a big deal. And, uh, <laughs> Narcissism plays a lot. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, that hasn't changed. And, and so we, that's, how we, that's how I started. That's pretty much how I started. That's uh, fundamentally how I got into journalism. <laughs> um, I did it because I wanted to branch out from what I was doing on the radio, because I'm bored with news. That sounds terrible, and I'm not going to leave news radio, but uh, it's not as fulfilling as doing a talk show. And this was a way to do it, do the show that I wanted to do, and I can say fuck on it and not get fired immediately. And uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And we mentioned, uh, or when we were introduced, it was mentioned that we want to get Stephen Fry to do a voiceover. And that's, that's not a joke. Like, that's definitely something we want to do. So... We have we got lofty into it goals. for we Bizarre. got into it for, yeah pie in the sky lofty goals. We got into it for for ego purposes and and the thing that keeps us interested is that we get a great feedback from our listeners and from our guests and we set ridiculous goals for ourselves like some of which we actually managed to fulfill <laughs> some of which not even but it's fun to do stuff like that because then when you do it you can be like fuck everybody we're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And that's basically the take-home message today. On your podcast? Oh. 
Uh, there's actually a service in Canada that, that will read the news to you. It's called Voice Print. So you don't need to be doing that yourself. <laughs> um, and that's for blind people. Uh, that, well, that's who the service's primary audience is. It's also for people who just want to listen to the story. And who are lazy. Who are lazy. Um, for, I don't know, that's a, that's a tough question. Do you have any insight into that? How to, how to enhance your print publication with an audio show? Um, okay, the, the easiest way to do that, I suppose, would be to uh, offer up more content in the podcast than you're offering in the story. Don't just literally like read the story. Because uh, you have a limited amount of space you can put something into a newspaper. Uh, expand on it and do some more in-depth journalism when you put it on the air. Get interviews with people that's what we do on the radio. And uh, that's why the radio is arguably a little different, a little, I would say, more exciting, a little more pizzazz than if you uh, are writing for newspapers. It's one thing to read, the minister said, I hate ducks. And it is more interesting <laughs> to have the minister actually say, I hate ducks. And I mean, that's, that's a better way to enhance what you're, what you're putting in your news. Actually, John Stewart will do that a lot. He'll do an interview with somebody that is clearly edited, and then you can get the whole raw interview on in video on his website. So it can it can support content that you have in your paper, but it, it, you're right, it can't be the same thing. It's an opportunity to let uh, whatever writer is doing it kind of cut loose and have fun with it, and do something a little more investigative and in depth than than they would normally be able to do, and even to spruce it up with like. Effects or music. Yeah. My what? editor is always telling me to put sound effects and music in my radio. So, so there's always boiling sounds. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we used to do to fill the pages of the gateway was just write, we'd write arts opinions stories, we'd write yeah, sports opinion stories. And uh, I think that you could, if you, you know, I guess, are, new, are your newspapers shrinking? I know the gateway's going down to one uh, a week. So um, assuming you don't have as many pages to publish as you did before. You can take those those kinds of of print content and just do it on radio instead of printing an opinion article or a uh, what were the other ones we did? It was called the uh, the burlap sack. No, the ones were point counterpoint. Yeah, why the fucking the drugs? <laughs> um, that would that to me would be phenomenal audio. A point counterpoint, especially if you can get two people literally just arguing over. <laughs> That would be great. The only thing that I would suggest, uh, there's one, that we mentioned the video game podcast and, and the one that's in Edmonton. They've got five people on their show. They, they need to get, and they have gotten better at it. They need a moderator. They need someone to be like, okay, hey, shut up. Now it's your turn to talk. Stop interrupting. So uh, on, on audio, when voices are talking over, it, when people are talking over each other, it's, I would tune out. It's just, so you have to be sort of cognizant of that. So that was a really long answer to a very simple Hopefully it was helpful. Yay. OK, no more questions? Well, you guys can get in touch with us, uh, and we will answer you. And At uh, some point. Yeah. And I think, do you have a little bit of time to stick around? A little bit. So we're, we're going to hang out a little bit after. I'll probably be here most of the afternoon, and then I'll see I'm you all at Dewey's tonight. And do other stuff. So thank you so much for listening. You guys were great. We get gifts. You get gifts. Starbucks. Yes. How did you know? <laughs>
listening to a special edition of The Unknown Studio, episode 44.5. Mr. Bourgeois and Mr. Rosenhart go to EdCup. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois, The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.